welcome to the Why Behind the What. My name is Nathan Elbert, and as always, I am so glad you are listening to this podcast today. I am a firm believer that the ancient and the contemplative spirituality that we've been talking about can rekindle faith, can heal souls, and it truly can transform lives. And if you've been following along, I hope that these interviews have given you a glimpse into how expansive the divine is and how contemplative practices allow us to discover that the divine is all around us. But what if faith isn't simply believing things about God, but practicing the way of God? And what if faith isn't knowing things about the divine, but experiencing the divine all around you? That's what Aaron Nequist and I talk about in this episode. If you don't know who Aaron is, well, you are in for a treat. He is doing some incredible work helping people to engage and experience God through contemplative and practice-based faith. Aaron is a liturgist, writer, pastor. He's worked as a worship leader at Willow Creek Church and Mars Hill Bible Church. He's the creator of A New Liturgy, which is a collection of modern liturgical worship recordings, as well as The Practice, which is a formational, ecumenical, practice-based community at Willow. He's the author of the book, The Eternal Current, How a Practice-Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning. And he also has a podcast by the same name. I think wherever you find yourself on the spiritual journey, you will connect with so much of what Aaron speaks about in this interview. His analogy that the divine is an eternal current and we get to swim in that current is beautiful and wonderful. You can learn more about Aaron on his website, aaronnequist.com, and I have links in the show notes to his website as well as his social media accounts if you want more info. And a quick word from my four-year-old, who's my biggest fan. Here's this podcast with everyone you love. That's right. If you could share this podcast with everyone you love, that would be amazing. You can do that on social media. Another way you can do that is sending the link out to friends and family. Another way to help out is to review or rate this podcast on iTunes. It's real simple. Uh, you just go into the app or do it on your desktop uh, and click rate. Real simple. Submit that review. It would be a great help. As always, this podcast was written, recorded, and edited on Monacan land. With that, here is my interview with Aaron Nequist. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I am glad you're here. I've been looking forward to this interview, and uh, I'm I'm really just thankful for the work you're doing. And so I'd love to hear or have you introduce to us a little bit about who you are personally, but then also what do you do professionally? Yeah. Okay. So like the whole story. So let's uh, go there. Let's go. go let's there. do it. <laughs> well, I mean, for this conversation, um, I grew up in the Midwest uh, in a very, very Christian family and, uh, and really enjoyed that was was glad to be and um and also a very musical family so we did a lot of music in church um and then i went to uh, uh judson university to get my undergrad uh which started as a music no i think it started as business because i was like i want to be responsible but by the end it was music theory and composition which is very marketable 
but uh, it was just where my heart was and uh, really enjoyed that. And then right out of college, got a job at Willow Creek Church in Chicago as a worship leader, and my faith promptly imploded. And um, that was a very complicated season. So we can dive into that in this conversation. I'm sure we'll, mm-hmm. we'll explore that a little bit. But let me just say, it's, <laughs> it is very weird to have a job where you're paid to lead songs you don't believe in anymore. Mm. And so that was a tumultuous season. But um, uh, after a pretty dark season, it opened into, you know, I, I joke about being born again, again. It was a something unleashed and unlocked. And, you know, whatever cheesy analogy you want to use, the chains falling off or whatever, like that actually happened. <laughs> and um, that has launched into uh, a couple of years after that, moved to... Uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, to join up with Rob Bell and be a part of the Mars Hill community. And that was a really exciting season. And then went back to Chicago, back to Willow Creek, started a practice community on Sunday nights. And uh, and then I left there in 2018-ish, uh, 17-ish. They all run together now. And then uh, we currently live in Manhattan, and I'm uh, a student getting my master's in, in seminary and uh, trying to create all sorts of resources and, and things. So that's the really that's short good. version. Yep. Yeah. Along the way, got married to one of the greatest human beings on the planet, Shauna. And we have two kids uh, who are in the weirdest world right now with uh, pandemic and virtual school oh, yeah. and all that, but we're trying to we're trying to have some fun. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that is great. I want to go back to your faith crisis because it's yeah. funny that you say I was getting paid to sing songs I didn't believe in. Yeah, um, I had someone, I had Steve Weens on the show not too long oh, ago, yeah. and he said something similar. He okay. he was preaching a sermon. And as he was saying it, he his subtext was, I don't think I believe this. Wow. Um, yes. And I had an experience kind of in a season of kind of burnout and, like you say, just ministry darkness. Yeah. Um, where it was Easter of all days. Oh, wow. And I was in yeah. the back of the back of this school that the church had rented out. And um, I remember watching everything happen, just kind of in the back pew. And they were selling, singing about the resurrection. Yeah. And it, I had this weird, almost out-of-body experience. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. I don't yeah. even, it didn't even make sense to me. Yep. And that that was, I remember praying, God, I need the resurrection. Yeah. Um, yes. And that started me on kind of this, kind of like you say, this just expansive journey. Yeah. So I'd love to right. hear, what was it like when you were in that season? Like, what brought it? What brought it to you where you were like, this this faith that I've went to school for, yeah. that I've grown up in, it's not working? Yeah. Uh, um, in my book, I, I wrote it was kind of like driving a car where the air conditioning no longer blew cold air. Like it was just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't like a moment of crisis where I no longer believe this doctrinal. It just yeah. ran out of gas. It was, mm. it was a bike that you know, head training wheels. And I just like, I don't know if I need this anymore. I don't know what it brings to my life. I don't know what it brings to the world. 
And so it was one of those, like, I wish I had a really dramatic story about, you know, the, the big moment where I lost my faith, but it just, it was trickling out for quite a while. Mm. And, um, so yeah, it, it, I think the biggest gift I had in that season is one friend in particular, but then also my family who didn't say, oh, you're, oh no, you're, you're backsliding. You're, you know, Mm -hmm. they didn't freak out. They just walked with me. Mm. And, um, I, even my boss at the time who was a pastor, I was able to bring some of my deep questions and struggles. And I remember one Sunday, he even offered to lead worship for me. He's like, would that Mm. help if I, and it was just, it was, it was such grace. Mm. And I think what they knew, uh, most of them being older and down the road is this is part of the journey. Mm -hmm. Like resurrection only comes after crucifixion. Um, Yeah. And so I think they were seeing you know, you can't see it in the moment. It's so scary. It's painful. It's terrifying. Um, but it is also getting ready for something new. And so yeah. they walked through that with me. So, yeah. And you mentioned you had a few people to talk to. I found it to be a very lonely season. Yeah. Where as a pastor, you don't talk about it. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. right. And so do you, was it a, even though you did have people to talk to, was it yeah. a lonely season for you? Was it a, you mentioned it's scary. Yeah, it, it was, it was a little lonely. Uh, I think the advantage that I had at that moment is I wasn't the pastor. I mm-hmm. was the worship leader in the high school ministry. So mm-hmm. I, I really wasn't carrying the, like, you know, no one was looking to me as like, you're our spiritual guide. Like, especially in that context, in that era, I was the guy who just played loud rock songs, you know. So it wasn't as isolating. And because it was a real um, young staff, a lot of us were asking the same questions. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, I've had seasons since where I, I can feel pretty isolated in, you know, this or that. But in that time, I think we were all just kind of like, what is going on together? Yeah. Were there, how did you, what do I want to ask? I mean, for me, what, what I discovered was being in churches that really tried to be super relevant and we wanted to bring the gospel in yeah. new ways and really invite everyone, all the seekers, anyone. What I found was we kind of stripped all the, in, in our quest to be relevant, we stripped a lot of the meaning, the depth, the sure. richness of the yeah. faith. Yeah. in order to appeal to as many people as possible. But what we did, I felt, was like looking back, is we stripped the whole church of its relevance sure. in our quest to be relevant. Yeah, yep. And what I discovered was some of these ancient practices or even rote prayers that I, or even other traditions, right? Like, oh, I'm not Catholic, but those Catholics, that tradition doesn't work for me. Yeah. What I ended up finding was those were the things that actually sustained me and gave me life yeah. um, and really rekindled my faith. Yep. Were there similar things for you as you kind of made your way out of that season? Yeah. For me, it started, and this, if, you know, if you talk to my wife, she'd be like, yeah, this is how it always is with him. But it, it started with, I had to shift the big picture. Um, I, had, I had an understanding of the Christian faith that I don't think is unique to me unfortunately, 
but it was the transactional, Jesus died because you're a sinner, say this magic prayer, someday you can go mm-hmm. into heaven, now just wait, you know, and, and don't drink and smoke and have sex, you know, like that was yeah. kind of the, the thing I grew up with. with. And um, that can only take you so far. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some truth in it. Thank God for thank God for what God did through Christ. Um, so it's not that that is a wrong story. It is just so small, and right. Uh, right. it cannot sustain a life. And so what what one of my friends in this darkness gave me was a book by Dallas Willard, and he gave me the Divine Conspiracy, hmm. which is certainly not a a, a fun read. It's thick and kind of dry, it but it was the first time I had ever heard about the kingdom of God. Mm. So I'd been I'd been a Christian for 23 years or something at that point, and I'd never heard a message preached on Jesus' central message, which is just bonkers. And so I started, you know, reading this and then talking to the friend and like, wait, wait, wait. So it's not about getting your sins covered. It's about participation with what God is doing to redeem all things. Well, I'm in. (laughs) Like that's, yes. And it was like, it started to sound like good news. That's Mm. good news. Yeah. Not, not you're a sinner and say this thing and then wait, but join me through Christ. Join me. And so that just blew my mind. And it was right at that time where I was getting to know Rob Bell, and he was teaching a lot from Dallas Willard, and then joined, you know, Mars Hill, and then we were just, it was so exciting. But here's the, here's where it turned for me. There became a certain point where the best thing I could say at the end of a Sunday was, whoa, that was amazing. I wonder what Rob's going to do next week. Hmm. And I, I started to feel like this is, the, this is such a beautiful story. I have no idea what to do with it. Hmm. I can listen about it on Sunday. I can sing about it on Sunday. On Monday, I, <laughs> I've got nothing. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's where the spiritual practices began. Um, we're, you know, to use another cliche, water in the desert. I mean, they were the, they were these brilliant, you know, in my mind, brand new innovations, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, that have been around for generations and generations. Yeah. But to me, they were novel and 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 in some ways faith saving, but in other ways, kind of like soul person saving. Yeah. Um. So is that similar to? Yeah. No, I'm with, I'm with you. I remember one of the first times experiencing extended silence. Hmm. One of the first times I actually remember I went on a silent retreat when I was in seminary and I, I was singing the entire time (laughs) and it wasn't until I was in a bathroom and the acoustics were amazing. Right. Yeah. 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 That I had this moment. I was singing in the bathroom in this monastery where we were doing the silent retreat. And I had this realization that I'm on a silent retreat yet for the last seven hours. Yeah. I hadn't been silent at all. Right. Right. But discovering silence and some of these other practices, absolutely, like you said, like changed everything. It changed my view of the church. 
Yeah. Right? Like it, it gave me a, a broader understanding of the church. Yep. It gave me a greater appreciation for the different traditions. Yeah. Like I grew up kind of in a, oh, well, that tradition is wrong. You want sure. nothing to do yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But instead it gave me the appreciation of like, oh, there's some good things that they are doing yeah. and how they how they express their faith. Yes. Um, and then it also made me realize, oh, why, why haven't I been a part of a church that taught me how to sit in silence? Yeah. Or why That's has there right. never been a church service where we we just didn't sing or talk That's right. for a while? Yeah. Um, and so that that for me, some of these practices were you know, the practices I were told was read your Bible, pray, yeah, that's right. get up at 6 a.m. and talk yep. to God. Yep. And I'm a horrible human at that hour. Um, <laughs> Even God doesn't want to talk to you at that time. <laughs> not at all. No way. God's like, nah, go get some coffee, then come back. Um, but so you talk a lot about practice, practice-based faith. Yeah. And, and even in the, the subtitle of your book, right? How yeah. practice-based faith can um, save us from drowning is your subtitle. But yeah. can, you, can you unpack what that looks like for you? Yeah. And I mean, practice-based kind of specifically in contrast to beliefs-based. Mm-hmm. And um, because, again, in my story, um, the whole ballgame was believe correctly about a couple important facts. Mm-hmm. And um, what's fascinating is, is that didn't seem to be Jesus's preoccupation um, in his teachings and the at least what we have recorded. Um, yeah. But it sure was m- my understanding of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I think the, well, let me say this. Um, you said the subtitle is, a, is how a practice-based can save us, practice-based faith can save us from drowning. But the, the title is The Eternal Current. And I, I just bring that up to say um, the idea, the, f- the framing idea that has helped me understand this, that we talked a lot about at the practice for a couple years in a row, was just this idea, back to the kingdom theology, that we are already immersed. There is this huge river flowing throughout human history toward the redemption and restoration of all things. This is what Jesus called the kingdom of God, this flow. And But in the book I say, Jesus didn't say, believe about it. Yeah. Jesus said, learn to swim in it. Let me show you how to swim in it. Yeah. And so I think a beliefs-based faith teaches you what the water's like and tells you, teaches you about currents and helps you memorize what temperature the water freezes and boils and and... A lot of that is really good. <laughs> um, those are, not only is it true, but it's really helpful. The, the problem is it's just never the goal. It's never the end to just yeah. know facts about the river. The end is to cannonball into the river with Christ for the sake of the world. And so I think a, a practice-based faith, if we can take this analogy a little bit longer, is, you know, we learn, a, we learn the breaststroke. We learn the backstroke. We learn what happens in, when we get trapped in an eddy. We learn when the, when the shore is rocky. We, these are practices that help us swim. Now, obviously, we are not generating the river. The river is God and God's grace. 
Like this is not, some people get a little freaked by practice-based faith because it triggers kind of the Pharisee, you know, you have to do, do, do. No, 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 no. We're already in the river. It's already flowing. The question is not, do we earn our way in? The question is, do we swim or not? So, yeah. yeah. I have used the, the language of, well, for me, a lot of my background was doing these things for God. Right, yes. doing these spiritual practices, yes, yes. Um, and not realizing or not pausing enough to actually be with God. Sure, yeah. Right, and so the the illustration of swimming in the river, we we can know about the river, do things right. for the river, right? But if we don't actually dive in, yeah, that's right. You know, we're not, and you're, it, it misses you're, out. Yeah, you're 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 touching on this too. The idea that we do these, we perform these practices to please God or appease God in some ways is so toxic. I mean, practices without an understanding of grace and what the invitation actually is, practices can be so damaging because we think we're performing, you know? To mix water metaphors, sometimes I, I think about it like we're already standing under a waterfall. Mm. Every single human being alive who's ever lived, whoever will live, is already fully underneath this waterfall of God's love, of God's grace, of God's blessing. And the invitation of Christ is to take our hands out of our pockets and learn how to open them up. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that is the water flows regardless. (laughs) God doesn't look down and say, well, that person's very doing a lot of practices, let me bless them. No, 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 no. God is pouring blessing on you, on me, on the person we hate the most. God is pouring blessing. The question is, will we receive it? Yeah. And that's what's so mysterious about some of these practices Yeah, is that we don't do them in order that God would appear. That's right. Or... In, we we do this type of prayer so we encounter God. Yeah. No, through them. That's right. We encounter the divine who is already with us. That's right. At all times. That's in right. all places. Yep. And that shift is huge too, right? Oh so, my. yes. I mean, that's how I get. I think we get away from these rote making these practices so rote and that's transactional, right. like you're saying, yeah. Yeah. to mysterious. Yeah. And holistic and. Mm-hmm. Truly awe-inspiring. Yeah, that's right. Right? That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. We, um, as a worship leader, especially when I was starting out, I used to say things like, God, we invite you here today. We welcome you here today. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's so well-meaning. And I think yeah. we know we know what we mean when we say things like that, or when we say things like, and then God showed up, you know, yeah. something like that. And that's very well-meaning and maybe even has a pastoral place. But it's really untrue, (laughs) (laughs) you know. So I've been I've been trying to pray prayers both personally and then even corporately. Like, God, would you help us show up today? Mm. You know, would you help me open to what's been true all along? Mm -hmm. And those kinds of prayers uh, tend to yeah. I love that you use the word mystery. Because I don't understand it. I mean, the, yeah. you know, St. Paul said, uh, it is in God we live, move, and have our being. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Yeah. But in my, in my lived experience, 
spiritual practices are often the things that open me most up to that reality. Yeah. Someday I'm going to do more homework on this, but mystery, the word mystery in Greek and then in, especially in Paul's writings in the scriptures is over and over and over. I mean, Colossians is... Yeah, that's right. That word just dominates the yeah. mystery that's been made known, the mystery that you're a part of, the mystery that is God, the mystery that is now... Right been made known among these people and those people. Right. Um, and it, I, I think our, a transactional faith, belief faith, diminishes mystery. Sure. Won't have it because it's right. too, Yeah, it's unknown. It's, yeah. it's the gray, it's not black and white. It's yep. a little scary. Uh, is it heretical? I don't know. Right. But it's, it's so freeing. Yeah, that's right. It, it, like you said, taking your hands out of your pocket. It, yeah. The mystery allows us to let go a little. And that's just right. Just to experience the flow of the river, as yep. you're saying. Yeah. I want to ask you, are there some specific practices that really impacted you? I mean, was there, a, you know, as you started this journey, was there a practice that you'd never tried and it just like rocked your face off? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, what I'll were share. some of those? I'll share a, a, a communal one and then a, oh, a personal one. The communal one that we began, um, especially as a practice community, was Lectio Divina. Hmm. And uh, on one hand, that was a strategic choice because in a evangelical, non-contemplative uh, community, beginning with the scriptural text felt like a, a building a bridge. You know, yeah. we weren't chanting something in Latin. We were reading, uh, you know, these words that we all held dear. But we weren't holding them in a way where we wanted to conquer them with our minds. Mm-hmm. We held them in a way that we wanted to listen to the Spirit speak through them. So mm-hmm. um, Lectio was a, and continues to be a really helpful practice because I, I can get too stuck in my, in my brain trying to figure things yeah. out. That's really helpful. Um, And then the personal one that has been more transformative than anything else. I wish I could say centering prayer. Um, It has a place in my practice. It's so hard, and I really struggle Mm -hmm. with it. So I have seasons where I'm doing more centering prayer, and then I fall off the wagon. So I wish if I was a, you know. um, But the the one that has uh, been transformative is the examine. Oh wow! And yeah. um, I I started meeting with a Jesuit uh, spiritual director, a Jesuit priest, Father Michael, and we were just you know working together and you know meeting every every month for I think we met for five or six years, and he kept teaching me the examine. And basically, can I give like a thirty second? Yeah, version? Dude, that'd be great. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Basically, the examine is a way is a daily practice that helps us notice God's fingerprints everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the insight is we all have experiences during the day, but we have it, and then we're like, okay, on to the next thing. All right, that was great. All right, on to the next thing. And we rarely stop and look back and say, what was God doing in that conversation with the coworker that made me so mad? What, what was going on? Or what was happening when I was reading that thing and I started welling up with tears? What? And just noticing God's fingerprints. Mm-hmm. And so it's a five-step, I won't go through all the steps or whatever, but um, 15 minutes a day, 
and um, a way to look back and notice what God's doing. It has been transformative for me. Yeah. Um, and I could I could talk for three hours on that. I won't. Yeah. But that's been a well. Big it's one. I mean, even like um, you know, there's uh, there's the practice of sankofa. Like, yeah. I don't know if you know that, but like the the you take a sankofa trip, and it yep. the, that word means to look back in order to go forward. That's right. Yep. The examen is something similar that you're yeah. looking back in order to go forward. Yep. Um, yep. And I and will I say one. Is, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. No. Um. The 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 thing that was so transformative about the the examen looking back, and it was is step step one is invite the spirit to guide. Step two is review the day in gratitude. Mm. And I am an Enneagram four, melancholy, often cynic. Um, I can always tell you what's wrong with anything. Like that's my, you know, that's my, uh, and when, when I first learned, wait a second, we have to start with what's good. I was like rolling my eyes, but it has come to be so profound to begin in gratitude. And of course, bring all parts of the story. It's not only look for what's happy, but yeah. begin with the blessing, not begin yeah. with the problem. Transformational. And doesn't it help you see the the little things rather than I mean, I think a lot yeah. of yeah. evangelical culture is you go to the conference yeah. and you have this mountaintop experience. Right. right. But what the examen does is show you the little places right. throughout your day. That's right. Multiple times. Yep. That you were like, oh, God was right there with me. Yes. Oh, that was, yes. That wasn't just a thought. That was yep. the divine speaking to me. Yep. That's and right. it allows that to happen. So almost every day can be one of those incredible spiritual highs because you're seeing God in, in all things. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And the more you look back and notice, the more likely you will notice in the moment. And then suddenly you can be in the moment, like, I think God might be speaking right now. <laughs> you mm. know, those are, those are profound, profound moments, but yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Can you share a little bit about the practice? Um, yeah. We've kind of mentioned it, but um, what is it? What was, yeah. or what is it? And what, what does it continue to be? Yeah, um, well, it, it started, I was a worship leader at Willow Creek for the weekend services, and I had become convinced that spiritual practices were the way, you know? And so I was trying to bring spiritual practices into this thing that was not made for spiritual practices. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, one one weekend we did, you know, uh, a Lectio Divina experience and, you know, but it's a, I think it was a 7,200 seat auditorium and just this, it's just not made for that stuff. And finally our, our senior pastor pulled me aside and said, Hey, listen, we're never going to do that stuff on the weekend. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and he goes, but we know people need it. Mm. And he said, we know we at Willow are not doing enough for people who are really trying to go deep. And so would you consider pulling a team together and creating, um, some sort of, uh, community and experience for, for those people. Mm -hmm. And so it was a, it was a huge, uh, I was so grateful and intimidated. And so basically we started a Sunday night gathering 
And, um, and we just said, we want to be the kind of community that doesn't just believe things about Jesus, but learns together how to rearrange our lives in order to put his words into practice Monday through Saturday. And so we just did. We'd, we'd have an opening liturgy. Then we'd have a teaching that we kept to 10 to 12 minutes. Um, and the teaching always led into a practice, which mm. was 15 to 20 minutes. So we intentionally unweighted that. Um, not unweighted, uh, weighted that differently. Yep. And then after we, we experienced a practice together, we would come to the table, receive communion together, and then be sent out in the world. And it was, at least for me, an absolutely life-changing experience. Um, I mean, we made 10,000 mistakes and learned a lot along the way, mm -hmm. um, but it was really a great experience. And it still continues, and it's sure. going strong, which is really exciting. Yeah. In fact, two or three days ago, I just had a great call with Jason Pfeffer, who's the pastor of the practice and a great friend, and they're really doing it. So. Yeah, that's awesome. How do people experience that when you talk to those who aren't leading it, that are just a part of yeah. it? What do you hear as their feedback or their experience with that? Yeah, well, it was it was really interesting. A uh, couple observations. One, we thought it was going to be a bunch of like young college age hipster people, and we had we had those, but we also had a lot of empty nesters. And that was something we were not expected, expecting, and we loved it. Mm -hmm. And people who have been, you know, uh, walking with Christ for decades and, and just saying, you know what, I love what I have experienced, but I'm thirsty for more. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was really exciting. Um, a lot of what we heard was, especially in, you know, the Northwest suburbs of Chicago and Willow and evangelicalism is all is so high pressure, high performance, do, do, do. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of people who, who would say, this is the only place that I can rest. This is the only mm -hmm. place I can exhale where I don't feel like it's more pressure, more. Mm -hmm. So we had that group and that was very meaningful, a healing, like a place to heal. Yeah. But then we also had uh, a group of people who would say, I finally have some things to do. <laughs> like, mm. I, I didn't know what to do before other than, like you said, you know, read my Bible and journal in the morning. And again, that's a great yeah. practice. I still do it. But, um, you know, they were looking for more tools. They wanted to be, you know, uh, empowered to do it. So I think we had yeah. the resters, healers, and then we had the empowered, uh, given tools. People. Yeah. I've, I've joked that if anyone wants to plant a church that is, has communion every Sunday, has like some real good gospel music. Yeah. Gets me dancing. Yeah. Um, has some icons. Right. Right. Follows the liturgy of the book of common prayer. Right. I mean, it's like a smattering of every denomination. I love, I will like give all my money to that church. <laughs> I will like, I'll be the best volunteer. I'll start it. Yeah. That's um, right. But those, you know, incorporating all these different practices, yeah. like you're saying, yeah. it really is, yep. it gives you just such an expansive view of the church and of God. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's fascinating. Now I'm at a very high church um, hmm. Episcopalian seminary. And they, um, I mean, 
it is so, their liturgy is so deep and rich and so well thought through. I mean, the priest who's presiding, every hand gesture is thought through theologically. And and it's, it's, and half the people in the room are asleep. Hmm. And they know it. And, you know, we've been having these fascinating conversations where they're like, we love our liturgy and we know it is hostile to outsiders. <laughs> we know yeah. it is, you know. And so I, I think what it's what it's helping me realize is what I've needed is, and it sounds like what you've needed too, is these anchor points. And mm-hmm. we have all this energy in life, but we have no anchor. Mm-hmm. But I'm now at a community that is anchored deeper than I even knew it went down. And it is so inspiring. But they need some life. Mm. <laughs> they need some, they need some somebody with a guitar to just say, hey, let's stand and sing. Like that was yeah. beautiful, you know? And so to your point, I think uh, the intersections is where the life is at. Yeah. And I really believe that, you know, church of the future, you know, what what does that mean? But um, uh, the the spiritual communities that are going to be alive and growing are going to be at the intersection of many yeah. things. Yeah, and uh, I'm actually really in, excited about that. Yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty convinced that there is a needs to be kind of an ecumenical revival. Yeah, among yeah. The, the the broader Christian church that there are. Our Catholic feeling practices or Episcopalian liturgies that are combining with uh, Pentecostal style prayers um, or worship, and that that's going to bring less silo. You know, like we're just this divided church, Um, and it's no wonder people don't want to be a part of it when we are fighting over these things or these doctrines or who can belong versus. Actually, let's all get together so we can experience God in this moment together. Yep. Um, it, it's pretty profound and beautiful. Agreed. And yeah, I'm with you. So that I'm I'm looking forward to <laughs> what could be next. Yeah, that's right. Um, tell us a little bit as we end um, where if people want to get connected to you or some of the projects you're doing. We mentioned your book, but I'd love for you to mention not only your podcast, New Liturgy. Um, how can people get connected to the yeah, work you're doing? Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, the book is kind of the center point, uh, the eternal current, because it it's it's like the story. It's the why. Why mm. why did I uh, move from those streams to these streams, and why I'm inviting everyone to make some of these uh, similar moves. And then a lot of things I'm doing um, along that are the practices to help us make those uh, shifts. I mean, basically, how to help people swim. And so I have A New Liturgy, which is at anewliturgy.com. And that's a series of recorded liturgies, 15 to 25 minutes, um, that, you know, song, scripture, meditation, these kinds of things. And then... um, uh, uh, probably the main way to get a hold of me would just be my website, AaronNequist.com. And so that has links to all the the various things. The podcast that you mentioned is, again, trying to offer practices 
for how to flesh these things out. And then, of course, social media. It's usually Aaronique, A-A-R-O-N-I-E-Q, um, at Facebook and Twitter and Insta. But yeah, yeah. would love to... Would love to connect. Would love to keep exploring. There's a lot of fascinating, innov- innovative, uh, historical things happening, but yeah. we just don't know about each other. You know? Yeah. So. Well, and your your podcast recently, the kind of the spiritual practices for a pandemic have been yeah really really great. I mean, we kind of oh, talked about you. this in the beginning, but I think some of these practices right now, when we are in unrest oh, yes. and upheaval and chaos of news cycles and the pandemic that these practices are actually just so essential for our personal, emotional, spiritual well-being. And you kind of do every week a great practice. Um, Thanks. Yeah. And And they've been really good. They've been awesome. Oh, thanks. That came out of my personal need. Mm. When this thing went down, I just, I literally said, I can't think my way through this. Like yeah. I was feeling anxious, I was feeling afraid, and I have got to find ways to get my body and my soul and my heart. And so, yeah, it it started very personal, and then I've been yeah. so grateful for. I mean, there's been some wonderful guides um, that have been willing to be a part of it. Yeah, your episode with um, uh, Father Michael, who right or no? Yeah. The, the like the imagine prayer like yes the, yes oh my gosh it's, that yeah. is he is profound. a treasure found yeah we're it working on another really, imagine of prayer really cool. yeah oh sweet yeah so, those yeah. were those were great but I, I'm oh, with you I you. think when all this happened I was meditating I was like I got to do the breath prayer constantly yeah, that's right I got to go do centering yep. prayer yep I mean they were just I think without them I would have been and I'm. I would have been more anxious and overwhelmed. Yeah. Oh, and I still easy. was overwhelmed uh, and still, anxious. Yeah. <laughs> but it gave me like an yeah. anchor, like you were mentioning. It gave me like, okay, stop and breathe. Right. You're gonna, things will yeah. be okay, even if they're not okay. Things yeah. will be okay. And that's worth saying, practices are not magic. They don't yeah. like salt. They don't eliminate um, any sort of negativity forever, like, yeah. um, but there are ways to participate with what God's already doing, yeah. and they really matter and really make a difference. But yeah, it's not yeah. a silver bullet. No, nope. yeah. no. Well, again, thanks for being a part yeah, of this. Yeah, glad to be. I really appreciate all the work you're doing and taking time out of your day to spend it talking to me virtually. Thanks. Blessings to you. You as well. And so friends, as you experience a practice-based faith and learn to swim in the internal current of the divine, may you have peace, may you have calm, may you have happiness. Mm